This recording was made on Goringai Country, Northern Beaches, New South Wales. It's the only way that you can describe what a person is, describe what they do. There doesn't seem to be much job satisfaction or pleasure in this picture. Hey, what a relief, eh? What a relief to hit. What a relief to see an episode titled with someone else's name in it. Me too. Me too. Finally, the guy who says it he says he wants to talk to the whole rest of the world and only ever talks to himself is back talking to real people. Fantastic. So, thanks for joining me on a very, on a very special episode of TTS, where a real conversation took place between two two human being surfers and. So this is a chat with with my friend Craig, and I hope he doesn't mind me. Um, I hope he doesn't mind me dropping the f bomb like that. But I mean, it's a different f bomb to what it used to be, because I think I I think I was another type of f bomb, which is just a fanboy. I've been reading Craig's work for probably five years now, and then started seeing the dude in the lineup. Started fanboying then. And, and then suddenly I'm having a real conversation with him for my podcast. The point is I can't be sure this actually happened, but there is a recording that I've got here um, that I suppose is as close to proof that I didn't dream this up as possible. Um, so we will listen to it. This is Craig Brokenshay, guys, oceanographer extraordinaire, writes great articles for a website that I like to visit often for its surf discussion, swellnet.com, and Frothing Surfer, who's very pleasant company. Thanks, Craig. Let's rip in. Okay, first important question. These are on and I just basically like mash them all together and oh, figure out and like sync it up. And oh, it's yeah, a nice. surprisingly yeah, yeah, yeah. rich, yep. I think anyway, audio yep. thing, um, considering we're sitting in the cabin of my truck. <laughs> my first question for you, Craig, is how do you pronounce your last name? Ah, that's a good one. Uh, broken Shay. Okay, Broken yeah. Shay. A lot Sweet. of people straight away just say Broken Shah. Yeah, yeah. And they think it should have a Y on the end, but yeah, okay. my grandparents and parents is Broken Shay. Broken Shay. Sweet. Yeah. So you, I read your stuff religiously on Swellnet, and you make me feel smarter as a person because oh, you break down like really complex oh, that's awesome. meteorology into ways that I can that, understand. Yeah, it. that's my main kind of, that's the main aim of, of the forecast, the notes, and my weather articles on the website. Well, Literally. you're knocking it out of the park, because like, if <laughs> I can get it, I think everyone can probably yeah. get it. because some of the, if you come into my office and you look, sometimes when I'm doing especially like La Nina or other like the upper atmosphere kind of article, stratospheric warming, all that stuff, the charts I'm looking at, you would look at it and go, what the hell yeah. are you looking at? And then I've got a, and even... I write articles and I send the draft through to Stu, who's our editor, and he'll, he'll, I'll have to, if he doesn't understand it, once I've put it down into layman's terms, then I've got to like water it down even further. Just keep so, Is that heartbreaking a little bit sometimes? Oh, you must yeah, have well, to miss out on some yeah, that's that. it. Sometimes I go too deep and yeah. then like too technical and then it's like, and Stu's like, no, it's, it's, it's people are just going to lose track and then not go through it. So yeah, yeah I've got to sometimes just like water it right down. But yeah, uh, if I could go into that greater detail, it would be epic, but we'd lose people on yeah. the way. Yeah. How, how did you learn all this stuff? Like where did you... Um, well, I studied oceanography and meteorology cool. um, in Adelaide, in Flinders, and then did honours in oceanography. But then the kind of learning process once I got a job with Swellnet was just kind of it's like self-taught almost, but it's kind of like with any science. The more you learn, 
the more then you kind of unravel and you understand you don't know much at all. Like, it just gets deeper yeah, and right. deeper and deeper. I'm sure. And, yeah, from basically, you know, just learning about winds, hot air rises and cold air falls to then the connections between, you know, the Pacific Ocean and the atmosphere and, like, Australian weather and surf and... Oh, yeah. It's just... It can, you can go as deep as you want. So, yeah, over... It's been nearly 14 years now at Swellnet. Wow. So it's just... Wow. Yeah. And over the last probably five to... 10 getting a greater grapple on the teleconnections between the climate like Enzo cycles, La Nina or Nino, how that affects basically the weather patterns around Australia and then you can use that as well for like snow say in Japan and around the world yeah. Yeah right I think I got really, first of all actually that's like exactly how I imagine you between articles <laughs> is like surrounded by amazing screens yeah, and graphs it. and just like and then just, out yeah, that's of, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we've got me and my mates have this, um, we call it the Weather Nerds Chat, and it's just like me and my mate Blake, Tyson, Twemmy, and Lloyd. Um, and we're just like spitballing back and forth daily, just weather charts, little bits of tits, bits, and, you know, kind of that's yeah. where it's kind of learning as, as you go, like, you know, day by day and watching things happen in the atmosphere or, yeah. Yeah, so, I actually just realised something when you explained that because that sounds like, you know how there's like, um, there's for surfing there's like fantasy leagues and then there's just yep. like gambling syndicates of yes. like people who just like exactly. are reading whatever the pitch fucking thing that they give you at the horse races is yes. and, That's and it. then like oh no that horse last year did something to its ankle yeah, 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 but yeah. you guys are doing it with something the so meaningful with the exactly. weather that affects everybody and doesn't involve animal cruelty no. so, <laughs> <laughs> but I really like that um, it's just like it sounds like an endless froth fest yep. that you get validated from time to time yeah. or often in it's, your case. Yeah, no, it's very, yeah, yeah, it's always, yeah, it's mother nature in the end, but when you have a greater un understanding of the drivers and what you're dealing with and the uncertainties that you can put on, say like a wedding f and wed mm. wedding forecast, weather, thunderstorms, um, a lot of people hit me up. Oh, you know, a couple of weeks out, even a month out. What's the weather look? I'm like, I don't worry now, but you know, in a couple of weeks, hit me up. But the classic one, especially people have weddings in summer, and that's when we get thunderstorms. And basically, you know, it, they're the hard ones to forecast because thunderstorms will pop up, you know, very localized. And yep. if it's not where you are, it'll be fine, sunny, and hot. Yep, yep. But if that cell pops up right on you, so it's kind of hard to explain to people. Look, you should be right, but if the storm pops up right where the wedding is, there'll be torrential rain and, you know. Yeah, and it but, won't be my yeah, fault. Yeah, that's it. it that's fault, my, not my fault. And it's basically when the ceremony is happening at 4 or 5 p.m. after, you know, yeah. you get all the hot air building up during the day. So, they're ones you just got to explain to people. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but, try and spin it. Just yeah. take it as a lovely yeah. omen from the universe. Yeah, that's it's it. It's like a baptism for your marriage Yeah, or exactly. Yeah. And hopefully you get moody light afterwards. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, clouds, <laughs> fully. Yeah, and you've but you've validated it for me personally on like a day to day level when I just see you in the lineup and I'm like sick. If Craig's out, I've nailed it. This is definitely <laughs> yeah. the best window. But also last year, you correctly predicted in May, three weeks in advance that Black Nor'easter equivalent storm cell that came. Oh in. yeah, that's you put right. an article up. It blew my mind. Dude. Yeah, because like, was... I think back to oh sorry yeah you go no no, no yeah yeah. I remember that. Yeah, there was just the indicators, the, the synoptic setup three weeks in advance looked like there was basically going to be this big low forming over towards New Zealand with a big high sitting there. So giving us a prolonged supercharged east swell. But it just, it was just all the models were aligning and all the kind of long range models were in alignment. So I could put that article. Usually we don't like putting those articles out early unless right. 
I'm very certain. Well, so it's, yeah, it's a big drive, and, eh? Like, yeah, if you miss. and then people are like, "Why do you overhype that when?" Yep. and it just fails. But this one, yeah. Oh, and then, mate, plum. That was just such a wicket because that swell in it was June 2016. Ah, uh, that, swell that was the Black Nor'easter. No, that was I think it was 2020. That swell. Sorry, what I'm saying is oh, you're yes. referencing that as a similar. Ah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I remember that June swell yes. as like one of the most profound yeah, that was months of my crazy, entire life. Crazy, yeah. yeah. That June 2016. I think June 6th, 2016. June 6th was that yeah. the day of days. Yes, yeah. That was it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was living in my van at that time, and I just had. Do you that remember whole the Sunday week. night when it was like 40 nor'east and torrential rain? Were you getting rocked yeah. down in the van? Yeah, I was going to work in my cafe in dress shirts because that's the only dry stuff I had left. Everything else in my van had been <laughs> soaked, so I was going to like <laughs> yeah. work, make coffee in like yeah. a nice button down shirt. It was so dumb. And then that night, I remember um, we were on the weather nerds chat, frop, flop, frothing out, and then the wind just because it was howling on the roofs and the windows and then it just dropped and I can't remember what time at night Sunday night I'm like oh it's just the lows the lows gone south of us and it's just gone offshore yeah and then me and my mate checked Deddy's that evening before it was 15 20 foot just storm swell like you were Mm. seeing the whole ledge and ocean turning and then exploding up towards us and then I was just like whoa now once the wind goes offshore it's going to be crazy in Monday morning yeah 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 yeah, I scoped out Narrabeen mostly that oh, that, that swell. The photos from was it Mark Honorati and also yeah, maybe was that you got from up on the plateau looking yeah. through the buildings? Just in, <laughs> incredible. Yeah, it's like it looked like it looked like some CGI like Photoshop <laughs> like layering magic yeah. because the wave scale wise just looked like four of the stories of the building. It's like wait, what? Mental. Yeah. Yeah. Insane. Yeah. No, yeah, no. but you knocked that out of the park for me, man, that last year. Because I'd like read your articles and having experiences like that June 2016 swell have such a profound impact on me in every way. Like, yeah. in, a, in a way that's bewildering it was so for me. so memorable, yeah. Yeah, so yeah. meaningful that, like, I think it puts me in a category of people who there's probably a lot of who are starting to realise how much the weather and climate is really affecting yeah, them yeah. through all and aspects of life. Yeah, totally. But not really necessarily understanding the mechanics. Yeah, behind it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. so like your work, I'll put links up in the description of this yes. episode for yeah, people nice. to click through to some of that. It's just like, it's awesome. Yeah, thanks. And yeah. like one of them I read recently about the Tonga eruption. Oh, eruption, yeah. The, the, that the, was the beginning of this year, That right? was January, end of January this year. But the flow-on effect, that's been the most fascinating thing to watch because it injected so much sulfate, water vapour, aerosols into the stratosphere. Like, in record-taking times, the, the biggest explosion they've measured. Yeah. Um, and it was equivalent with Krakatoa, I think. It was 1800s, I can't um, But um, the... Yeah, seeing well, we know that's going to have an effect on on the weather down the line. Yeah. Because the stratosphere, which is the upper atmosphere, that filters down to the troposphere, which is our um, down lower level, and then that starts influencing the weather. Yeah. So, yep. firstly, we saw the sunsets. Yes. Starting to go crazy because yep. it was just refracting the light, and it was just making those those rays. There's a word for it. It's, it's crisp, crisp, oh, crepuscular or crepuscular. It's so flattering it. that you're like. <laughs> Thinking I might know what that <laughs> word is, it's so nice. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, but it made those really vivid afterglow sunsets yeah. because the aerosols were up in the high atmosphere, so they were getting the last bit of light once you couldn't see the sun half an hour after sunset. Wow. And then it would go almost, I remember having surfs 
and you'd be out there and it would go that afterglow after sunset and then half an hour later it would light up again because those higher aerosols would light up and wow. then and so that's just the curvature of the earth then meeting the sun's then, rays at that yeah at that altitude. higher altitude yeah wow. yeah insane and, and um that spread around the southern hemisphere and it came in waves at first because the plume kind of went into the upper atmosphere then started spinning around the southern hemisphere so those sunsets came and go came about once a month it did it and then it started spreading out and becoming more of a normal thing through mm. winter end of winter and then now it's kind of dissipated but i've noticed just late uh or last week there was still it came around again and we we're getting the rays from that yeah but that the the increased water vapor that actually cooled the atmosphere up there like significantly like 10 12 degrees below normal yeah and then that filtered finally down to our weather in the last few weeks and it has brought with this cold weather extra snow in the mountains yeah it's pretty it's going to keep influencing um the the world's climate for you know at least probably i'm not an expert on that but like through in the next cabin, six months you are yeah <laughs> yeah through the next six months to a year so we really and scientists are studying this in real time and this is a great example for them, which then they can improve climate models and mm. future forecasts. And yeah, nah, it's a fascinating event. Yeah. Does that, um, I was thinking all day today about how that particular story about the volcano, it's almost as someone who is quite anxious about the climate a lot of the time yeah. and about runaway warming and all that sort of thing. And then to have this huge event happen that would have happened whether humans were here or not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's having these... It, like, yeah. it was almost nice in a perverse kind of way. It's yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Can't, helps me calm me down a that's bit, it. even well, though it's gnarly. It. Mother Nature still just goes, yeah, back. Yeah. Even though we are warming everything and warming the atmosphere, this this still within, in, you know, a speck of the lifespan of the Earth have, like, influenced the weather. Yeah. 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 So does that, I mean, does that... Um, do you experience anything similar to that as far as... Um, like, really you, would you get people come out the woodwork, for example, now oh, after the last few do. weeks and they're like, oh, no, so much for global yes. warming, no, they it's do. been freezing. Yeah, no, they don't. Yeah, what do you say to those comments people? like that. I'm like, well, that injection was put in one mass event. We've been pumping CO2, methane into the atmosphere for the past, what, 150 years yeah. like, and increasing the temperature gradient. Yeah, so it's like that is actually good for them probably to see how much of an effect it can have on the atmosphere and then maybe try and relate it to what we've been doing over the past yeah over a century or so yeah is, right you know what i mean but yeah no people are definitely yeah saying oh look it's cooling the atmosphere but no it's a, it's a temporary thing and at the other scale there's been like warming up in the arctic which is um, um, you know yeah there's been some higher, crazy yeah. frightening stuff like i almost can't read too much about it because like you hear about antarctica's yeah. 18 degrees today. Yeah, I know, exactly. That's it. Yeah, yeah. It's going, and all the ice melt and everything. The Greenland ice sheet, and that's getting smaller. In the Arctic sea ice, it just keeps shrinking shrinking year on year. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So do you, is that like, is that just the separation of weather and climate being like a fairly important? Yeah, exactly. That's it. Yeah, that's it. The, that, but with the eruption being on such a big scale and affecting our weather for kind of same six months or longer, that would be more a climate yep. kind of effect. But yeah, locally day to day colder weather, and that that's 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 the weather. Yeah. 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 So the triple dip La Nina is that climate change related or is that just? No, well, it's interesting. I before I found this study, I would say no because they come around. We've had three in the last fifty years or so. There was like. 
73 to 76, and then 98 to 2001. And then this is the... Uh, okay. Yeah. So, oh, so this it's is not extraordinary. No, 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 no. We've had, uh, yeah, the last... We've had two in the last um, 50 years before okay. this one. So, yeah, no, it seems like they come around every 20, 21 years. The interesting thing is, though, there's a study that was just released... Was it this year? And basically what the climate models have been predicting for the um, temperature kind of... The increases in temperature throughout the Pacific Ocean... Mm. Um, from global warming, they haven't been accounting. There has been some cooling signal in the central, like basically it's a quasi um, La Nina setup where it's been cooled through the central Pacific and eastern and warmer down where they thought it was actually, yeah. So it's hard to explain on the podcast. But um, yeah, there are areas where they thought it was all warming. There's been actually a little bit of cooling, but that sets up a basically La Nina kind of setup. Yeah. Right. So we could be in this pattern where we do enter a few more La Nina years over the next, you know, couple of decades. Yeah, right. Um, so, yeah. But the thing is with the La Ninas, though, and with the warmer atmosphere, we've got more an increase in the temperature. So if you increase the atmospheric temperature, you can hold more water vapour. Yeah, right. And that's why we're getting, like, increased flooding and, you know, higher rainfall Crazy events. Rainfall, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And more intense. They're, they've... Another study was only released a couple of uh, like weeks ago, and they actually analysed the ten minute down pause of like the the localised rain events around Australia, and because usually they're done on the half hour or hour, okay. and they found that the thing was like a twenty percent increase in um, high intensity rainfall events. Wow! Yeah, it's so over the last what twenty thirty years. Mm. It's insane, isn't it? Because it- that's it's just like so many people have so viciously found out all at once and all together yeah, that it, the smallest incremental changes yeah, in our climate that's it. are just already instantly yeah. devastating. Yeah. And you would have noticed also the temperatures in the ocean. Like, how warm was it up until June this year? Yeah. It's like still 22, 23 yeah, degrees yeah, into yeah. June. And Which, then freezing like last week kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, really yeah. Cold. Yeah, we always get the lag after winter. Yeah. Um, but... Yeah, no, the the EAC, the temperatures, and earlier this year, there was the hottest temperature ever in their 30-year record measured off Sydney, so. Wow. It's, um, yeah, it's, it's, if you're a surfer on the East Coast and have been for, you know, a couple of decades or 10, 20, you could notice, you know, every year on year, you don't need to pull out your thick wetsuit, you know, yeah. only for a few weeks, and then you're back to your bloody springy or whatever. Yeah, like, I think back to being a teenager on the beaches and, some surfs feeling where the sand feels like snow. In the yeah, exactly. Yeah, just yeah. like dancing to get down to the water because yeah. the water's warm. So warm, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it just feels like, yeah. I don't know if I'm just paying attention more or romanticising my own yeah. memories yeah. and thinking that it's not like that anymore. But yeah. No, I've, I've, been, I've been here 14 years and I've definitely noticed that, like, the tem- and come and I'm skinny, so I don't wear boardies often as well mm-hmm. if the wind's up and that. And But I've been surfing the last three, four years, just, you know, having quite a couple of few months in boardies, which is yeah. great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, so that's an interesting thing, like, that dynamic of comfort and, like, surfing yes. in boardies being a really nice thing, but potentially linked to a dangerous exactly, thing, which is warming it. temperatures. Yeah, exactly. And, like, I, I sort of... This is about as big of a pat on the back as I could give to myself for no real substantial reason other than just thinking, so if we are surfers and we want more swell and more waves all the time, 
then that means increased storm activity somewhere and somewhere else yeah. is getting pillaged. Yeah, is that exactly. right? Yeah, well, that's it. Like, yeah. If that's even, I put an article up this week about how, you know, it's sad that the triple Laninas are coming to an end from a surface perspective, but yeah. from uh, like the northern rivers, the flooding, the damage inland now, um, it's devastating. Yeah. Like, so it's the yin and the yang. While we might be, you know, like say loving all the, the surfers keeps people come. in the world. Yeah. Surfers have been loving La Nina, but everyone else is like, I can't plan a picnic. I can't go plan a wedding. I can't, you know. I've got mold I, growing. Yeah, in the that's house it. Got mold. So and, yeah, I think surfers are the, really the only small beneficiary of the last three La Ninas. Isn't that wild? Yeah, we're already the luckiest people yeah, in the it. world for having surfing, <laughs> and then like the only yeah. beneficiaries of yeah. Exactly. This climatic destabilization. Yeah. No, that is, yeah. So there is that yin and yang for I, sure. I think, I think, I try and remind myself of that because I feel like that's where that added responsibility comes in yeah, as yeah. being a beneficiary of these things. Yes, and yeah, like yeah. having surfing as this insane outlet for your life in so many ways, then like it's our responsibility to look after yes, the place. Yes, exactly. A bit yeah. more than everybody yeah, else. That's it. Yeah. 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 Um, can you put to bed one con- mystery that's been a constant in my life for about 20 years, yeah. which is why is the water cold in east and north swell and uh, warm when it's south? Yeah, like, so like, it's not linked to the swell at all. Yeah, okay, right. It's it's linked to the winds. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But even so, it, like the obtuse like brick wall of myself thinks about like, but it's coming from the north. Nor- yeah, the that's north what a lot of like, people... Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're like, oh, there's a big nor'east swell coming, so it's going to be cold. It's actually... You can get the big nor'east swell without the cold winds if the winds are locally like light. But right. it's just basically, it's called Ekman transport. And when the wind blows across the ocean in the southern hemisphere, just because the way the earth spins, um, it pushes the surface water to the left. So if you imagine the east coast and a nor'east wind coming down the coast, yep. if it's pushing the surface water away to the left, it's pushing it out to sea. Yep. So that's taking skimming off the top water, which is the warm water, and it needs to be replaced by cooler water. So that comes from the depths. And then it gets pushed into the coast by the swell? No, no. Just because there's a drop in the sea level at the coast, everything being equal, it, it writes itself oh, by upwelling that colder oh, water. Yeah. Okay. So then the stronger the winds, the bigger the swell, and then the more transport offshore of the top layer so then you get that correction kind of thing and then once you get a southerly wind if you think that it pushes the water to the left again south winds left it pushes all that warm water that's out into sea back into the coast oh my god you've done it you've like turned the light bulb on finally after two decades yeah so it's not the swell it's just the wind driven currents wow yeah oh there you go yeah so um if it's been howling nor'east for like you know three days it starts getting cold from that welling and then it turns green because there's photosynthesis there's all these nutrients that come into the photic zone the light zone and then they start photosynthesizing so that's why it goes green with upwelling yeah right so not just like i assume that the greenness was runoff based no so then no 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 yeah right That's why I say you're up seal rocks Never and that. Never assume. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, right. Um, it's always there because they're very close to the shelf as well. Okay. So if you've got a, um, if the shelf comes in close to the coast, you get access to that deeper, colder water. There's yep. a bigger, so they get pronounced, more pronounced upwelling of coughs, port, um, seal rocks, all that region. Yeah, right. Um, but then once it goes southerly, you've probably got to give it half a day to a day to the warm water to... Come back, back in. in. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, so that's that. Always such a, um, like a dichotomy in my head because 
you think about southerlies and cold. Yes, I know. Like so the cold weather's cold, the but the water's like beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. And you'll see when it actually does fully push back in, it'll turn clear again because yep. it'll suppress the the green nutrient rich yeah. rich water. Yeah. Oh, amazing! Thank you for like yeah. finally turning the light bulb on, as <laughs> I say. Um, okay, I have another. Actually, this is one specific question I had for you, which is like, what's going on with that seawall at Collaroy? Oh, that's a that's a joke, isn't it? It's that's a joke. Well, oh, I'm asking you because I yeah. think it is, but I'm not. An, I'm like, if by no means like a yeah. oceanographer, and I'm not a um, what would it be? It's not a geomorphologist. Um, no, that's all rock stuff. Um, I'm not like a sedimentary expert or you know longshore drift. But if you put a hard structure in a surf zone, yeah, uh, the erosion just ends up where the structure ends. So basically, you'll get more that it'll bounce off the wall. And then start co- focusing the energy either side of the wall. So you're just making the effect go either north of the wall or with Norris to the south. So it's just not it's not going to work. Yeah, and like, like right, it, it is protecting their houses, but it's pushing the energy and the problem yeah further away. So it's just kicking it you know to someone else's down the yeah. road. Yeah. So is the end result then now that they've built this what it however hard many structure, hard, yeah. like. 30 metres or whatever it is. No, it's long. It's, it's, God, I think it's like... Because they, well, they built the first section and then announced yeah. another section, but is this well, what... I think there's like, now it's like probably 150 or something. Yeah, no, yeah, Is the end a, result the whole beach? Well, that's, a, well, now because the property's to the south and that, they've just got permission to put rock wall, like groin in front of their place. It's not a groin, but... um A revetment. But yeah, yeah, exactly, because they're starting to see the effects of the erosion. So they've got it, yeah. Um, and there are plans to also extend it further north as well. But it's just that whole, uh, it seems like they are trying to protect, to protect the, the pit water road. Yeah. But there's still a huge buffer if they turn that land into, buy it back and put it into natural dunes. It's yeah. still a big buffer there from the road. So Yeah, yeah. Well, surely that would be the best protection yes, for I the know. road. Would be and they've got to just bite ecosystem. the bullet now because they're spending $21 millions on just the rocks yeah. they're putting in front of the other houses. And us taxpayers, we have to pay 20%. Yeah, that's... Yeah. So, 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 so we're paying like $400,000. So and we don't even want that crap. And yeah. the beach is a mess. Yeah. yeah. Like, it's taking all the sand away and all the Chunks rocks. Of concrete. Yeah, it's just, like it's just you can't, it's not safe. You can't, if you go body surfing there, you're going to end up with a head injury probably. The council, they'll be liable for that. Wow, that's a wild thought. Yeah. Yeah. I've walked through there and you can't walk through there. You'll stub your toe. You'll, yeah. It's hectic. Wow. Well, yeah. that would almost, I wonder, be like... Well, I hate was, to say it, but that could be like yeah. the last saving grace well, to stop it if mm, someone actually does get yeah. hurt because then... I know. At least, if, like, if, they maybe won't build the rest of it, or yeah, is it too late now that it's there? I don't know. Yeah, well, maybe, hey. But maybe, I don't know, maybe we can prevent further further additions to the wall being made. But, yeah, it's not the way to do it. And there's, there's studies that go back, you know, decades ago, they know that hard structures, it's called end wall effects, where it just um, focuses the energy away like at the end of the wall and creates further problems there yeah yeah so it's it's just boggles it just yeah. boggles the mind because that buyback thing and biting that bullet yeah that's been on the card since the 70s oh exactly that's it and that's, that's what's been kind of recommended but well I, the, I remember reading i think it's professor andy short yeah he's like the guy yeah. who's just been the on guru, the yeah. guru yeah but about that particular zone in general and he said that if that at the time it was suggested they buy it back instead of buying yeah. it back they sanctioned that 
development of an apartment building. Oh, yeah, and that's just blew it. out the and dwellings. If, and if they didn't done that back then, it would have cost them nothing. Yeah. And then I guess now, even relative, if they buy them now, if they're spending $20 million on a wall just for a little few sections, that's still, you could buy those houses, like, you know. Yeah. You know, it's just get the government to do it. Otherwise, we're just going to, in, you know, 100 years, we're going to be talking about this and it's going to be costing, you know, $500 million to protect these houses. Or, yeah. yeah, and so could that seawall, if they end up walling the entire stretch, and yeah. like, good luck by the time they oh, get no. to Northy. Well, the, the sand, once you have that hard structure as well, the sand can't, has nothing to bond with as well. It yeah. just gets, when, as soon as the swell comes, it washes away. Like no root structures? Is yeah, that... or just, yeah, that's it. That's another factor as well. Wow. But it's just sitting there on that, that sub, and because the water gets in under it, that's the thing. The water doesn't filter through the sand, mm. where and and kind of go away. So that it's kind of like wet sand. So any swell just washes it away. Yeah, yeah. What do you think that'll do to the waves? Uh, just asking well, as a selfish surfer. If they didn't, <laughs> yeah, no. If they didn't, so what's happening now is they keep trucking sand down there from the lagoon. It gets pushed into the ocean. It's making good banks. Right. But if they weren't adding sand to it and letting it just erode it it just leads to less sand on the beach and and the banks would be getting worse well my other side of this question is about offshore reefs or artificial reefs yeah. rather would that is that actually a tenable um alternative it's probably not there because uh ben my boss brought this up they've got submarine cables that go out into the pacific there oh, like Coleroy. Right. that that exact region has some of the biggest like the biggest submarine cables going out across the pacific so wow, okay. they can't really muck around with the bottom surface off there. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, if they did, they'd have to be very, yeah, kind of accurate in where they put them. But I, I personally, I think if they did little piers, rock piers, um, which capture the sand, and then you'd have it building up, and then they, because what they're doing now, the sand ends up going up the beach and then into the lagoon. Then they go to dredge the lagoon and then they're putting it back to the south end with trucks. Yeah. And it's costing, that's costing hundreds of thousands of dollars. Yeah. So if they just put little rock piers, kind of like you see in the US, you know, off yeah, like yeah, New yeah. Jersey or something, um, and that would trap the northward flowing sand and make actually probably some fun little wedgy banks, mm. but also make the beach wider, slow down the accumulation at the lagoon, keep that open, so... Far out, Craig. That's... How come you're not in council like making <laughs> these calls? Like yeah. that's crazy. Yeah, that I if... think that would be the best bet. Yeah, yeah. Um, but you'd probably have to get an expert to tick that one off. But yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. I found one. So <laughs> as soon as that comes in the mail from the council, I'm going to yeah. put your name down. Um, okay. The last specific thing I wanted to ask you before just a couple of rapid fire questions is about that East Coast sand cycle. Yep. Because I, again, like the light bulb, this light bulb only got turned on for me fairly embarrassingly recently. But like thinking about Fraser Island. Yes, being down the end to, point. Yeah, yeah, being the yeah. end point of almost this like giant super organism I've come to think of it as. Because that sand is just yes, constantly travelling and yeah. moving and so expressing are, itself. And, yeah, there's, um, I don't know exact embayments, compartments, but there are separate compartments where like say the Hawkesbury and the... Sydney Harbour um, flows onto the beaches and then it won't get past a certain point. But I think it's from Seal Rocks North or the, what's the river just that comes out at Port Macquarie? Or, oh, no, up the Manning River as well. Mm -hmm. From there north, all that sand goes up to Fraser. I think more south of there, it's in these local embayments and off the shelf on back onto. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, basically, yeah, there's a general from up that mid-north coast way north 
northward flow of sand, which basically builds up at the headlands at the northern ends, the back beaches, and then eventually flows around into the points. And it's in fits and bursts, like sand slugs. So mm. um, you'll see some of the points, they'll be denuded for like, you know, years, and then you'll get like a good run of like big southeast swell for a few weeks and it'll push oh, sand around. It sweeps all the sand yeah. around. Yeah. Oh, okay. And it's, um, it's that's, that's one of the most unpredictable things, uh, like... Surf wise, you can't surf or you can't forecast where the banks are or the sand is. That's one of the things. We'll Do you like that? Or does that yeah, upset no, you? that's great. That's good because if you find a little bank or a little point that's yeah. got sand, which never usually has sand, and you don't tell anyone, you can be surfing that for yeah, a long yeah, time, yeah. yeah, without anyone getting onto it. I guess that's kind of nice as someone yeah. so data driven and yeah. so oh, able that. to dial it in objectively yep. and numerically to just yep. have that magic or the romance yes. still there. That like that's you, it. You just that's have to why be lucky. Yeah, that's why manly is always so interesting because there's always a rip bowl pops up somewhere different yep. after each swell. Yeah, and the the trick is is finding the right tide where it is and then beating everyone to it because yeah, yeah, if yeah. you find it you can have uncrowded waves to yourself in Manly and you know city of, you know Sydney's a city of over 5 million yeah yeah, and they all like to go surfing at Manly that's it exactly yeah. yeah yeah so but yeah that's the general sand flow from north the thing is with La Nina, we see a swell direction shift. Usually, our prime swell is from the south southeast, so it pushes all that sand north. Yep. Um, with La Nina, the swell direction comes in more from the east and the yep. east northeast, and those southern corners don't have the sand build up to protect them. So after three La Ninas, we've had all these big east oh. northeast swells, and they've been eating away and just eroding like we've never seen. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Right. Is that what's happening at Clark's uh, in Byron? Yeah, that's always had erosion issues though. Okay. Always, but that is also yeah part of the problem that's made it a lot worse it's kind of weird Same. to look at i was there two years ago and it was already bad then and i believe it's gotten worse but yeah. looking down at the pass and seeing almost a lagoon form and then yep. this amazing bank and it was again like surfers the only beneficiaries of that's it like, ecological destruction but it was weird to look at you could just see it looking down from that walkway all the sand missing from yes. where the roots are exposed. And yep. you're just like, yeah, yep. there's supposed to be a beach there. Oh, wait, look, 200 metres that way and the beach is just I know. right there. Yeah. It's just in the wrong spot. Yeah, there's... Yeah, nah. The, the one at Clark's is interesting. There was a, there's a study, someone posted it on our website and it was done in the... Was it 70s or earlier? Real early in the piece at Byron. And they were pointing out the erosion and the kind of the flow of sand and how that is a point of erosion it's been no interest since back then so again they've got to like kind of not keep trying to protect that bit of beach but you know just leave it as sand dunes pull amenities amenities away from that area so it can kind of come and go yeah. with the swell cycles but not just trying to keep it you know if it's a constant spot that's been eroding for decades it's it's just part of the cycle you yeah yeah, so would a long, longer, t a longer term, maybe not permanent, but a longer term solve be to carve space out of that park that's there? Yeah, and put it to and sand put dunes. Put it to sand yeah, dunes, exactly. yeah, right. Yeah, put it back to sand dunes and stuff. Oh, yeah. And they're just like, but, no, our equipment, no, our, that's it. our exercise was, equipment's already there. We can't yeah, do that. Yeah. Um, yeah, but yeah, the spots that got smashed by all these big east and east swells, is like D.Y., Manly, yep. South Corner, and then Cronulla, down North Cronulla, they lost their towers into the ocean. Really? Like in the 70s when we had the last, well, it was the Triple Lanita 2, Triple Lanitas ago. Yeah. Wow. Um, and South, oh, I've, I've done a few trips up and down the South Coast, and I've gone to beaches where it's taken like two three meters of sand from the back of the like where the dune goes and there's rock there and the rock is a total different color color so that must must have been 
not exposed for decades. Wow. It's a total like dark light colour. Wow. Yeah, so it's not yeah, so it's pretty it's done a lot of damage. Yeah. So we need to kinda of have this push back away from, you know, like reset to neutral or El Nino to kinda of help get that sand accretion back up. Yeah. Yeah. If we cop the fourth La Nina, which on record hasn't ever happened, but our records only go back well probably hundred and twenty years or so. Um, right, right. Yeah, uh the 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 damage would be just it'd be crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Is it right to say that Australia's been in a permanent state of natural disaster for like oh, three years, for pretty much? Four. Four, yeah. yeah. Yeah, but probably early if you could include, I don't know, drought is a natural disaster. But well, before, yeah. yeah. Yeah, since 2019 we had the bushfires um, and then we went straight into La, three La Ninas. So, yeah, it went from the bushfires to flooding in that February. Yeah. I don't know if you remember, it was... In Sydney here, we had those smoky sunsets, smoky days. Mm. I got irritated eyes, headaches. Yep, yep. And then in February, we had this big low, tropical low come down. And it flooded. And then it, it, there were all these trees washing down the Hawkesbury and ending up on our beaches. Yep, yep. Huge burnt logs in the lineup. And then the water was full of burnt leaves. Like, it's just the, the trend, you know. The volatility is insane. Yeah, but there's a consistency to the volatility yeah, now. There's no, there, I know, there's no just, you know, like steady, happy, neutral. Happy no, yeah. yeah. But it's so one or the other. That's it's, starting to really frustrate me, the language around, the, like the way we talk about it, where it's like one in a hundred year event. Blah, blah, blah. It's like, well, we've had four of those in the last <laughs> yeah. four years. So can we just like, can we not? This yeah, is kind no, of normal got, now that it's yeah, so extreme. That, yeah, and that's what happens with a warming climate yeah. yeah more extremes do you yeah. think about it much like you seem like oh pretty... i well that i see these things happening and then i see uh people just uh, going down conspiracy parts of like cloud seeding and stuff it's like no guys the the factors yeah, that play that the here are actually crazy of, like yeah. don't even compare to yeah what we like you know they're possibly doing with planes in the sky yeah it's just yeah the, the factors at play and then w when you see these rain events and even Adelaide my mum rang me up the other day because she was so amazed at how heavy and hectic there was a big tropical low moved across them and it flooded Middleton where I learnt to surf it's the driest place ever I didn't even know there was a creek basically coming out there but it looked like it, oh, it looked like a torrent from I don't know like Brazil or something and, wow. it, and, it, and it flooded the Karamwampa they, yeah there's just these events which are happening you know more frequently if you look at the um, insurance claims just pull up the insurance claims over the like past two decades and you should see the cost it's having on us like yeah or you know how well, much we're having to have to pay for premiums and yeah yeah it's just keeps going up and up and up these poor people who are like the can afford it the least now that they've lost everything yeah, either through fire it. or flood and yeah. now in these uninsurable situations yeah yeah and that's like hundreds of know, thousands of people yeah i know it's basically yeah what do they call it like climate refugees basically yeah yeah like, can't live in Lismore anymore because you're going to just lose everything. It's just not viable or, you know, yeah, that kind of stuff. Or bushfire zones. Yeah, it's kind of... What do you think is going to happen? Like, like fast forward 20 years and say that we have had another 15 catastrophic weather events, whether it's drought, fire or flood, and oh. people are well, needing to, like, evacuate oh. where they've lived for decades. Yeah, I don't know. That, maybe there has to be that move away from some of these big historic towns or, yeah. Yeah. Like... In, yeah, but definitely thinking more about when even developing, you know, just they're going to have to think 
much much deeper about floodplains or flooding and fires and yeah 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 even i think when you're building places now the fire regulations are pretty hefty if you're in a flame zone or yeah yeah yeah. so it's just going to be more expensive for anyone more harder yeah so and it's not going to get better it's yeah no yeah yeah. so So, i mean like do you i guess i'm wondering with your head so buried in in data and climate looking and weather and data yeah. and all of that stuff does that wind you up or does that calm you down no nah, it doesn't calm me down <laughs> <laughs> i just i sometimes i'm just overwhelmed i'm like fuck it's just hectic yeah yeah i don't know yeah don't know <laughs> i find like yeah i just don't know that, how some days i think you just must be either the most depressed or the happiest <laughs> Yeah, that's it. Because it that's can go I, both ways. Yeah, eh? exactly. Like you yeah. can either get really Pure bogged in it. Or, yeah, like, or it lets you go. Yeah. And you're just like, well, yeah. like it. somebody give me a cigarette. Yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> it. I know. I need to go have a beer. So, yeah, no, nah, sometimes it's depressing. But then there are people who are working on technologies which are like, oh, just some really cool stuff. To yeah, have you got transition. some in mind, like exciting um, things? Not that I can think of off the top of my head. But, yeah. I read some really cool stuff sometimes. So yeah, and I think yeah, the the bad, the hard thing about climate change is it just kind of creeps up on everyone, and everyone just you know they don't see it impacting them; they see it somewhere in the other, somewhere else in the world. So they don't want to band together at once to like kind of fight it, but maybe with all these kind of back to back back events, people are finally yeah to everyone knows think someone about their impact and their um footprint and yeah yeah and how interconnected it yeah. all is yeah yeah it'd be in uh, yeah i'm one now who i think oh if there's a swell to chase i won't i won't fly as much as like i used to would just you know book a ticket because now i'm like well the emissions going into that pretty yeah pretty full-on just for me on my selfish yeah um yeah yeah same with this truck and like yeah, rolling around wanting to talk about climate change in a diesel car. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah, like I know. Yeah. Like, yeah, I think there's a big way to go with the surfboard industry as well as well. With the, the chemicals yeah, used some, in blanks. And, oh yeah. yeah, but some of the new stuff looks amazing. Yeah, like there's that, yeah. Um, flax and yep. is it um, hemp? Yeah, sheeting or whatever yeah, it yeah. is that that's fiber. Yeah, and yeah, no, there's a lot going on. And Varuna Surf are making wooden, like yep. amazing They're wooden the looking ones surfboards. in Europe. Yeah. I think they're in North Coast. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, sick. Yeah, I really want to try one. Yeah. It keeps popping up on my Instagram. Yeah, nice. Like these cool cross Yeah, so that's, and... yeah, there's a big, there's a big, a huge amount of um, room for improvement there. Yeah. I see. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, I've got a few rapid questions. They're not necessarily professional or yeah. relevant, but I'm going to fire away anyway. Um, what's your favorite animal? Oh, that's a good one. I would say, oh, maybe dolphin. Dolphins, like, when you're yeah. out in the surf and you connect, they know what's up. They know you're having yeah. the time of your life and, like, come and, like, come as close. Yeah, they're just playing with you and just, they're really intelligent. Yeah, intelligent. You can feel it. Yeah, eh? that's it. Yeah. I'd say, yeah, dolphin. That sounds, yeah, really corny, but yeah, no, they're cool. A, no, it's a great answer. Yeah. Um, okay, next question. If you could be Prime Minister for a day, what are you doing first? What, what am I doing? Whoa. Maybe I'll give a weather lesson to everyone. Nice. Everyone tune in. Yeah, yeah. Just a basic, yeah, this is how things work. And yeah. yeah I like cool. that more than adopting portfolios in secret. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that yeah, seems yeah, like a more it. relatable thing. <laughs> um, okay, here's a piece of trivia for you. Um, what's the weight of the total number of ants in the world? And I'll take an answer to the nearest quadrillion. <laughs> Far out. All the ants in the world. Mm-hmm. And to quadrillion. Yeah. <laughs> Take, take a stab, bro. 
I'm going to say... I don't have a meat tray, but there's, yeah. pro- there's definitely bragging um, rights on the line. <laughs> oh, God. I would have to say... Can I say one trillion, one trillion, one trillion? What did you say? One, what'd I you said want? answer to the nearest quadrillion. I would say a hundred quadrillion. You're close. <laughs> You're not that close. The answer is 20 quadrillion. Oh! But I also would have accepted 2.5 million per person. Oh, wow. Yeah, I just thought I'd write that question because there was an outside chance that yeah. you would just spit the no. answer immediately at me. Jesus. And yeah. I'd probably have to get out and leave. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, what's the best surf you've ever had? Best surf? Ooh, God. I'm sure I there's surf, many. I know, oh, sh- I surf too much. To, no, nah, I don't surf too much. I do surf too much. Um, I've had some special surfs. Yeah, I'm not asking you to name names. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. Or give us anything. Yeah, just middle of nowhere, sunset, indo-like conditions in in the desert. It's been yeah. In the desert, like South Oz, Dunskis. That's yeah. Shut up, Rolly. Cool. Yeah. 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 Yeah, Up in Northern Territory. That's it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, Okay. Last question is a: Would you rather? Would you rather go without for a whole year? Would you rather go without your surfboard or the internet? Ooh, I'll just go without the internet. Yeah? Yeah. Really? Because yeah. like you started oh. this chat saying like oh, no. your off time is in a room yeah, full exactly. of Yeah, exactly. That's it. You'd have none of but that. No. No, I would just sit out in the sea and just yeah. feel it. Yeah. I love that answer. I'm really yeah. glad you said that. <laughs> yeah. Perfect, man. Well, let's wrap Sick. it up. That was a good, um, good way to finish it. Yeah. Cheers, Thanks for the chat. You. And there we have it. Hey, how infectious is that guy's enthusiasm for the ocean? I'm sure that no matter how you're consuming um, this podcast, AirPods, Bluetooth speaker, whatever chip you've purchased and and had surgically implanted in your brain such that you can consume audio material without hearing it, there's no way you can't feel Craig Brokenshay's enthusiasm for the ocean in your veins right now, I think, if you're a person. At the very least, if you're a surfer. Oh, I just, you know what one of my favorite parts of that whole conversation was? I mean, it was all my favorite part, but one of my, uh, one of my real favorite parts was how, I hope he doesn't mind me saying this, how immediately cagey Craig got when I raised the prospect of discussing the best surf he's ever had. And I think the, I think, I worry that he thought my implication was that he reveal the location of where said surf um, happened, and I just want to make it abundantly clear that there's absolutely no way, as a surfer, that I would ever ask that of anybody to disclose anything locationary, locationary uh, about about. We'll just stop talking about it. Is actually the severity of how I feel about it. But I, but I really enjoyed in that moment how like quickly Craig buttoned himself up. Like, nah, there's no way I'm telling you anything, fella. And it just, uh, what a cool conversation. I feel really privileged to have been able to just sit and pick the brains of someone whose knowledge I admire so much because I I have all the feelings guys and none of the data <laughs> and Craig has the data so that was great and I and I just love as well that there's even for a data-driven intellectual individual like Craig Brokenshay there is still no question about the importance of a surfboard in your life before anything else including the internet that was a secret no-brainer a secret test that actually Craig you passed with flying colors um Thank you again for that great chat and thank you very much for listening to it. And yeah, that's it. I'll talk to you at the next episode of Trash Talk Podcast Studios talking to yourself. Next episode of... Talk to you at the next one. And that, my dear, is fucking delicious.